Hi, and welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. I'm Stuart, and today joining me in leading our worship are Douglas and Eleanor. I wanted to take just a moment to say a word of thanks to everyone who's helped keeping St Ninian's going over the past months as we've been working in these new ways. It's been great to see people embracing, sometimes reluctantly, online worship and meeting. Last week we approved the congregational accounts and we were presented with some of the reality of the effects of being unable to meet in person. Financially, our contributions have dropped by £10,000. Some of that drop is because our organisations and lights have stopped, but most of it is because of our offerings each Sunday. So I want to say a huge thanks to everyone who's continued to support us through standing orders, handing in envelopes and donations, and to all those who have worked so hard to fundraise in these difficult times. You can donate online. Just click the Give button on the website and follow the instructions. When you get to the payment bit, click on PayPal. You don't need a PayPal account, they just handle the card payments for us. And if you could set up a standing order, then please contact us and we can give you the details for that. Finally, if you're a UK taxpayer, then you can gift aid your offering. That means we get an extra 25% on whatever you give. All we need is a gift aid form. Again, get in touch if that's something you think would apply to you. We really do realise that this past year has been difficult in so many ways and we really appreciate all your help. I'm here in the tower at the church, which is an unusual place to start a service from, but it's because our friends at Cruden Builders have been here for the last two weeks. Derek and Lisa have been painting for us and the place is completely transformed, as I'm sure you'll agree. So I want to say a big thanks to especially to Derek and Lisa and to Colin at Cruden Builders for arranging for that to happen for us. We very, very much appreciate all of your help and all of your support. I'm sure that when we do get back to church, hopefully fairly soon, that you'll all be delighted to see this amazing new entrance that we have to the church. The Lent Bible Study meets on Thursday at 7.30pm. We do that on Zoom and the details are on the screen now. They're also on the website and on the Facebook page. I'd like to invite you to join us for our World Day of Prayer service on Friday the 5th of March. It'll be available online on our Facebook page, our YouTube channel and on our website at saint-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk. We'd love for you to join us and to join in prayer with people around the world throughout the day. And finally, the food bank is open here at the church. It'll be around at the hall to let the paint dry, uh, but that's on Sunday, that's today if you're watching on Sunday, but every Sunday at 1 p.m. until 2 p.m. you can drop off your donations to help with the food bank. So, let's listen now for the word of God as Douglas reads for us today. Our reading today is from Mark chapter 8, verses 27 to 38, and is from the New Revised Standard Version. Jesus went on with his disciples to the village of Cassarai Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. He asked them, but who do you say that I am? Pisara answers him, You are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, 
the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their crosses and follow me. For those who want to save their lives will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Excelling joy of heaven to earth come down, fixing us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies crown, Jesus, thou art. See 
sing glory in thy perfect love. We need to talk a bit more about the idea and strategies of empire if we're able to make sense of a strange and often troubling passage from chapter 8 of Mark's story of Jesus. But before we do that, I want to say something really important about what this passage is not about. The idea of taking up your cross has been often misused to justify all kinds of things for centuries. It's been boiled down to something like, well, everyone has problems. So you just need to put up with it. People were basically told to stop complaining and just accept things like illness and abuse and discrimination without complaint because, well, everyone has their cross to bear. There's absolutely no point in complaining. And that's not what Jesus was talking about here. In fact, it's almost the opposite. So let's find out why we've been sold this lie and why we shouldn't just put up and shut up. Jesus is in Caesarea Philippi. It's a city of the empire in every sense, a Roman city with temples and amphitheatres and columns and statues. And it's built right in the middle of occupied Israel. That's one of the things that you do if you want to occupy another country. You import your culture and you privilege it above the native one. And that can take all kinds of forms, from banning local languages, religious gatherings, introducing new currencies, making people work in different ways, imposing new laws and enforcing all of this with very harsh systems of punishment. And that's exactly what the Romans did. They operated a very sophisticated carrot and stick system. They made massive improvements to sanitation, to water distribution, to roads and farming. The Monty Python sketch asks, what have the Romans ever done for us? And it's funny because of all of the eras of history, the Romans might have made the biggest impact across most of Europe and North Africa. But compliance was required and the stick was one of the most brutal forms of torture and execution ever devised, crucifixion. We don't ever really talk about the reality of what that is and so I'm about to. It's unpleasant so if it's something that you don't want to listen to then you might want to skip ahead a bit. It takes a long, long time to die on a cross. You hang there with just enough support to keep you there, but also to allow gravity to do its work. The strain is agonising, and eventually your internal organs collapse. 
but not for hours, and sometimes days. Crosses were erected along the main roads and near the gates of cities so that anywhere you had to go, you would walk past them. It was horrific and it was effective. It wasn't a way that anyone wanted to die. So when Jesus suggests that people should take up their cross, it's not hard to see how easy it is to jump to the idea that he must be talking about suffering. That's what crosses are all about after all. But I don't think that he is. We also need to be really careful that we don't read ahead and impose our understanding of the cross and Jesus' crucifixion and the resurrection onto this conversation, at least not quite yet. This is a bit of a leap. But has anyone ever seen the Disney Pixar movie A Bug's Life? It's about a colony of ants who are bullied by a much larger grasshopper. The ants are forced to collect grain for the grasshoppers and if they don't collect enough, the grasshoppers will do what bullies do. They threaten violence. It's a brilliant example of how empire works. There are only really a few grasshoppers and thousands of ants, but the whole thing works on fear. One ant could never take on a grasshopper. They're just too big and too strong and the grasshoppers can fly. A hundred or a thousand ants? Well, that's a different proposition altogether. But for that to happen, something has to change. The ants have to no longer be afraid. And that's what happens. It starts with one ant exposing the lie that the grasshoppers are stronger than all the ants put together. I'm going to use the words government and empire interchangeably for a few minutes, and I know that they're not the same. Not every government is also an empire. But ours is. Both government and empire work on the same principles. People are either satisfied enough that making trouble is too much hassle, or they're too afraid to bother. Or not enough people will join in to make the complaining effective. Governments all over the world still spend their days working out just how much their citizens will put up with. Will they pay this much tax? Will they wait this long for treatment? Will they put up with this much unemployment and this much benefit support? How many children need to be living in poverty before people really start to bother? Will people pick up the slack with food banks and charity? It takes a lot to change the mind of a government. But Jesus isn't inciting a riot. Far from it. So what's he doing? Because he's absolutely talking about what we might call regime change. Empire is one kind of kingdom, one system. But there's another way, an opposite way. Jesus calls this other way the kingdom of God. And it's in complete contrast to the empire. The kingdom of God is, is based on love, not hate. Joy, not fear. Peace, not violence. Sharing, not greed. Compassion, not selfishness. But that seems so far away from the way that things are. How do you make the change from one kind of kingdom to the other? Well, the question Jesus poses is this. What is it you're afraid of? What's the worst thing that could happen? Well, the answer's simple. You could end up nailed to a cross. The cross is the thing that holds power. It's the symbol of fear, of suffering and oppression. It's the symbol of the empire. But it's not for us. Now the cross symbolises something very different. But to make the switch, people needed not to be scared of it anymore. They needed a way to embrace the cross and to take away their fear. And Jesus gives it to them. The idea is life. So when Jesus says, if any want to be my followers, then let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. 
he's talking about leaving behind the selfish system of empire where the measure of well-being of a society is the profit it makes and the increase in its wealth. When Jesus says, for those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it, he means that our lives as we know them will be completely different. We'll step away from our self-destructive ways of living and regain the life that God intends for us. Jesus is talking about life and death, or rather living and dying. He's talking about things that matter. He's talking about the life that God wants for us. This is a call to embrace life, not to be afraid of the systems of death and destruction, but to step away from all of that and to live in a different way. But that has consequences. People will point and stare. People will call you mad or weird or dangerous because the system doesn't like rivals. People will call you all sorts of names. People will undermine you and accuse you because the system can't stand it when someone points out the lies that it's based on. Jesus will eventually find himself nailed to a cross by the empire. But in that moment, in that moment, even in that darkest of moments, Jesus shows us that he was telling the truth, that the cross has no power. Death is not to be feared. Life wins because love wins. Love wins every time. This isn't easy. I can't even stay off chocolate for Lent or get myself out the door for a run, even on a sunny day. How on earth am I going to change completely the way I live? Perhaps by having an example, a role model, someone to follow who has been there and done it all. I said earlier that the people hearing Jesus say this didn't have any knowledge of how the story ends. But the readers of Mark's Gospel did. The people who believed and started to follow did. We do. The cross was transformed by Jesus' life and death and resurrection. Changed from a symbol of torture and oppression and death into a symbol of hope, of forgiveness, of life. So why would you not want to take up that cross and in doing so step into the life that God has prepared for each and every one of us? Faithful God, we thank you because you are true. You are light and in you there is no darkness at all. You are ever to be trusted and constant in your love. As we remember how the path Jesus took brought him into conflict with those who followed other ways. We are thankful that he never gave up or allowed himself to be diverted from his purpose. Jesus remained true to his mission, proclaiming your kingdom had come with good news for the poor, release for the captives, recovery of sight for the blind and freedom for the oppressed. From our hearts we thank you for the height and depth, the length and breadth of Christ's love, when on a cross with outstretched arms he embraced us all. Thank you for the great hope we have that because Christ is risen, one day there will be no more death, 
or crying or pain, that nations shall beat their swords into plowshares and not learn war anymore. God of grace, trusting in your promises, confident of your love, we bring our prayers for others to you today. Crucified, risen, and an ascended Lord Jesus, you bring before the throne of God our prayers and concerns. There you are our advocate and that of our brothers and sisters. Let us think about people in various situations and in the silence that follows, pray for them. People who are hungry, remembering the increased use of food banks and the rise of food poverty in our country, giving thanks for initiatives that ensure meals are provided for children. Some people are homeless, without shelter or adequate clothing. We think of how varied their circumstances have been during this time of coronavirus. We remember the work of care vans, shelters, charities, and all who help people out of homelessness. Many people faced times of hardship in these days. People whose jobs have gone, businesses facing collapse, families worried about paying the rent or mortgage. We think of initiatives designed to offer support and remember those in government, local and national, whose decisions affect the lives of many. People are unwell or mentally distressed at this time because of coronavirus or other illnesses, whether at home or in hospital. Let us also remember all who care, giving thanks for their dedication and skills. We are thankful for the work of scientists and those in charge of the logistics as they make vaccines available, remembering especially people in poorer nations. Let us also take some moments to bring private prayers of our hearts, letting our cry come to God, knowing that God is listening. These prayers we offer to you, God of grace, God of promise, kept by the strength your spirit gives. May we journey with Jesus into life in all its fullness, that your kingdom of love and justice may be known all the more among us, and in your world and in many may see Jesus in all his glory. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen.
So we go from here, walking the way of Christ, sharing the Messiah's good news, and to be God's people. We go to serve, to live in love, and to act with grace. We go with the blessing of God, creator, source, and spirit, today and always. Amen.